0: It is a new day, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. I am blessed to fellowship with you as we spend the next few moments hearing the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is your moment to receive life and bring in the message of life as our friend and our teacher, Pastor Josh.
1: There are two ways you can, two ways among others, that you can see the issue of pride. And you can see it in the looks. You can look at somebody, and the person will look all puffy, all stubborn, all arrogant, you know. In the eyes, you see it in the eyes, my God. Amen. (laughs) You can see it. You know that, my goodness, he or she may not be saying anything, but our body language is very, very pompous. You can see pomposity. So you can see it from looks. But also you can can hear, you know, uh, pride has a voice. Pride has a voice. So by listening to the words of people, you can, you can tell there are some things you hear. You know that this person is full of pride. More importantly, I don't want you to listen to this teaching because of the other person. I want you to listen to this teaching because of yourself. Because there are some words you will hear coming from you. And you hear those words. You say, my goodness, this is pride. And then you know how to get away from those kind of words. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says that we should examine ourselves. If we are still in the faith, exam, from time to time, you must carry out a personal checkup, spiritual checkup, to find out where you're at, how far you're going, what's your status, what's your position with the Lord. Amen. And the Bible also says that let he who is standing take heed, lest he fall. So don't say, I am humble, I'm humble. The, the moment you say you are humble, you are no longer humble. If you are working in pride. So this is why we must learn these things so that we can know how to respond, how to react. We can know the kind of words to say and the things not to say. So I want to title to this Science of Pride. Look at Psalm 12 and verse 3. Psalms 12 and verse number 3. New King James Version. Very specifically. Thank you, mighty Holy Ghost. Our ultimate teacher. In Jesus' name. He said, may the Lord cut off all flattering lips. And this also addresses uh, some of our brothers. You know, some of our brothers, especially when they are talking to the ladies. You see, they will be making mouths. You know know the meaning of making mouths? Saying things, promising things they cannot do. I will take care of you. I will do this for you. Uh, The president's uh, younger brother is my personal friend. Uh, the, the, the CEO of so and so bank, we were classmates. I will hook you up. I will hook you up. And the girl follows you. Five years after, oh, go and ask married people, apart from my wife. <laughs> go and ask them. Say, all the promises your husband made to you, has it been fulfilled? So you just, you just lie, lie, lie through your teeth. And you deceive, and you deceive, you manipulate. It, and the way women are, when the words are colorful, they hear it, they receive it, they do, and they believe you. And the whole world is telling them, no, he's lying. Oh my God, no. <laughs> and you hear them, they say, oh, he's connected, he's very powerful. <laughs> so I always ask, I say, is that what he told you? as the young people. I say, so is that what he told you? Because what he told you is different from reality. Five years after all the things he promised you, has he done it? He has not done anything. Flattering leaves. I will do this. I will do that. I will do this. I will do that. I had one thing. This this guy will go to Nigeria every year. He will go to Nigeria with the promise that I will bring you to America. He's just, excuse my French, he's just sampling girls. Every year. I mean while he's married. He go to go to Nigeria. I will bring you to America. I, you do know, they believe you. He remove a wedding ring. Uh, even now, uh, even with the wedding ring, it doesn't stop anything. They will still follow you. They'll say maybe the wife is a witch. <laughs> so he's thinking of divorcing his wife, and then he will marry me. Breaking news. I have never seen that man who will divorce his wife and come and marry you. I've never seen it. Are you hear what I'm saying? When he's tired of you, after he extract all the juice, I don't know how, <laughs> he will take the chaff and throw it away and move on to the next one. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No man will divorce their wife and come and marry you. If there's any man telling you that, that he will divorce his wife, the wife is a witch. She's a troublemaker. Because many of these men, they know how to play the victim. When they come to this, they play the victim. They say, see, he's suffering. He's not having peace in his home. So now, if he doesn't have peace, are you Jesus that wants to give him peace? Mm. Listen, listen to this. Listen, listen, listen. He said, and the tongue that speaks proud things. Proud things. So a, 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 a proud tongue is a tongue that is arrogant. A tongue that releases air without substance. Just pumping up and pumping up and pumping up. Of course, pride is revealed when people speak. When people open their mouth to speak, you will know that this person is proud. Hallelujah. So I want to give us some types of remarks that can come from you and then you will know to catch yourself that, hey, I'm beginning to fall into pride when you hear those kind of statements. Number one, when you hear overconfident declarations, overconfident declarations, and the best example I'll use for this is the case of uh, Pontius Pilate, when Jesus was, when he was faced with Jesus and Jesus simply did not say anything. You know what he told Jesus? He said, don't you know that I have the power to kill or to make you live? And Jesus said, there's no power that you have that has not been given to you. Are you going hear what I'm saying? So when anybody you, you hear or you hear yourself making this kind of statement, like I can do and undo, Do you know me? Do you know who you are talking to? I can mess you up. Can somebody relate to that? I can mess you up. I can do that. Please don't forget that all the abilities that we have, all the God-given talents that we have, we got it from God. There is no ability that we have that we have not received from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't know if I took that down here or something. It says that we we are all receivers. There is nothing that we have that we have not received from God. So if we have received from God, so why are we arrogant about it? Hallelujah. It's like somebody, now you are looking down on somebody, you say, you that don't even have green card. Okay, you that you are a citizen that was born here, what did you do to be born here? Hello? You know, I had a testimony of a pastor. He was saying that they went to a minister's conference, and he was trying to e- encourage his pastors to be going out to, for evangelism. And one lady now got up and said the same thing, that even this evening, let's, in the evening, let's go out and evangelize and evangelize. And one brother got up and said to the lady, "Say it's because you are not married and you don't have children. That is why you, have, you are saying that we should be going out. It's because you are not married and you don't have children. Excuse me, I want to ask you. If you are married, it's the grace of God that you are married. There are many people who are better than you that are not married yet. And there are many people who are married. They don't have children. It doesn't mean you are better than they. You are not better than them. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. People are praying for children, praying for children. They are not getting it. And people who are running away from it, they are getting it. So what have you done to be a married person? Are you that good? Are you that pretty? What have you done to have a child? What have you done? So there is nothing that we have. There is nothing that we have that we have not received from God. God is the source of all our blessings. Can you say a big amen? Amen. Therefore, any declaration that leaves out or forgets divine factor, the way some people talk, you would think God does not exist. The way some people talk, you would think God does not exist. I did it by myself, I read, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Where is God factor in all these things? Any comment that you are making, any statement that is coming from you that excludes the God factor is an arrogant statement. Get away from it. I say get away from it. I say get away from it. Yeah. Number two, any comment that forgets the grace of God the grace of God. Don't forget the grace of God. Watch out. Hallelujah. Do not describe God's gift in your life as though they were your own personal achievements. Hey. And you see this among pastors. Any pastor that you can listen to and you cannot track his source, you hear people who are still moving things in the kingdom, they are great travelers. You hear. I contacted this man of God. I got this grace. I contacted this man of God. I got this grace. I read this book. I got this again. Anybody who is just saying or ministry, like, in fact, he got the blueprint from heaven. Is a lie. Now go and listen to some teaching. Many teachings on TV now. You won't hear God in those teachings. You won't hear Scripture in those teachings. No God. No Jesus. No prayer, no nothing. Any comment that forgets the grace of God is a proud, arrogant statement. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 7. It says, for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have? Now you are arrogant because you are pretty. You are prettier than some ladies. What's wrong with you? What did you do to be pretty? Did you create your eyeballs? Did you determine your heights? OK, did you even choose your skin color? So guys, why are you discriminating? Why most, why most of you guys, especially Nigerians, why do you prefer the, skin, the first skinned ladies? Light skinned ladies to the dark ladies. Why? That's how all of them are becoming fair skin now. Why? No, we need to ask ourselves questions. Why? Hallelujah. And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as, as if you had not received it? Why do you boast as if you have not received it? Why? So get away from comments that forget the grace of God. Number three, any statement that rejects and refuses instructions. Hey! And you see this in Numbers chapter 16. Koran, Koran, Detan, and Abiram. There was a situation going on. And the man of God, Moses, say, come, come, let's talk. Let's talk. And they said no! They said we will not come. The man of God, the leader was calling and said, Okay, come. If there are concerns, let's come. Let's talk. We are a family. The man of God said, No, we are not. Rebellion has entered. They said, No. And I've experienced it in this church before. Not once, not twice, not three times. When people get into some mood, I say, Come, come. If you have questions, come and ask. Let's talk. Maybe you, okay, you only see the church on Sundays. For many people, they only see church on Sundays. But I see the church every day of the week. So there may be something you are not seeing. I see the church every day. So there may be something you are missing. See, come, let's no. no, no. I, I can't be manipulated. I don't okay. That's fine. I've done what I'm supposed to do as a pastor. I'm cleared. Hallelujah. See, come. He said, no, I will not come. Reject instructions. Say, I will never do that over my dead. Have you ever heard that statement before? Over my dead body? Have you ever heard that before? Say, over my dead body. Hey, that statement is very, very arrogant. It's very, very arrogant. So statements that reject and refuse instructions. Ah, are you people listening to what pastor is saying? No, no, I'm not talking to you now. This is what people say behind the back. So you are listening to pastor. You better forget the pastor is doing his own you. Be listening to him. I feel sorry for you. Yeah, people say it. People say it. So pastors say, and they go and do what they want to do. This is how I want to do it. Hello? Number four. And I took this from Numbers chapter 16 also, from verse number three to four. When you see people rebuking authorities, people who have not taken it upon themselves to not become the policeman, and they are now rebuking authorities, especially spiritual authorities. They, not, it's, it's, they think it's the thing is not in their place, <laughs> and you see it all over the world now. Some people, in their forties, they are not even fifty yet, and they are not making their personal assignment to be going after all the generals of the Lord, all over the world. Not even one, not two, not three. All of them get their cut part of their preaching and put. And they start running demonic, satanically motivated commentary that people, babies in the Lord, who lack foundation and substance that they can easily fall into. What has made you? Why are you not the one who is now fighting and questioning the foundations of the Lord? God, God has used these fathers and is still using them mightily. And it's not your job. It's not your job to be rebuking. It. Anybody who's rebuking the pastor is working. is arrogant. It's arrogant. Somebody told me once upon a time, not too long, ago. he said, Pastor, I said, yes. He said, you can read the Bible. I can read the Bible. You can pray. I can pray. What are you telling me, Pastor? Yeah. We're standing there. I said, ah, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> and when the pastor is bowing down, I say, sorry, sir. And he came next day and I was apologizing. I said, no. Uh, It's even good to know that I have somebody who knows more than me in the church. So I I will step up my game. He said, not in the dream. He said, I read the Bible. You read the Bible. You pray, I pray. He said, what are you trying to tell me, pastor, face to face? So I said, shouldn't be annoyed. Sorry. Forgive me. (laughs) And now he has disappeared into irrelevance like this. Hallelujah. You don't correct upwards. No. You don't correct upwards. It's not your job to correct your dad or your mom. You can advise. It's not, you now take it. Somebody pointed, sir, with due respect, sir. Somebody pointed to his pastor in a meeting, not here. He said, as you are standing there, I have 17 allegations, written allegations against you. Live. The pastor said, Ah, please, bro. I'm sorry, you. 17 allegations. It's happening now. It's not... If I call the name of the city, you will laugh. You see, I have 17 documented allegations against you, a member of the church. You don't correct upwards. Did you see that with Peter? Because this, look, you see, now, I'm not shouting and jumping. These are home truths. So don't sleep. You need it. It, can, it may save your soul. It may prevent you from going to hell. This thing I'm teaching you. Because the only sin Satan committed was that of pride and arrogance. Peter tried to correct Jesus. When Jesus said he was going to the cross, he said, Ah! And he was rebuking Jesus. Peter was rebuking Jesus. Because he was twice Jesus' age. And Jesus turned and looked at him and said, Get behind me, Satan. Hey! Can you imagine if Jesus did not go to the cross of Calvary? Can you imagine? Peter was telling him, you can't go to the cross of Calvary. Yeah, yeah, we know what I'm talking about. You cannot do that. How dare you say you are going to the cross? You cannot do that. Peter was rebuking Jesus. So if Peter rebuked Jesus, and you know it happens a lot. So anytime you see yourself rebuking people on top of you, when you are rebuking people on top of you, be careful, you are walking in pride you see that in Matthew chapter 16 from verse 21 to 23. Okay? Number five. Declarations of self-sufficiency. You hear people, I don't need you, you don't need me. This is what causes divorce in most cases. You see people, they are struggling together. They stay together. They are raising children. They stay together. Then all of a sudden, all the children have gone to college, they have done well, and you just hear you don't need me, I don't need you. Everybody, just go like that. No, the truth of the matter is that we need ourselves. We need ourselves. As a church, you need a pastor. You need a pastor. I need you too. Without you, my life is not complete. We need ourselves. Husband and wife, you need yourselves. Yeah, you like that, eh? <laughs> Look at you. Husband and wife, you need yourselves. Go and talk to people who have lost a spouse, you all the things they didn't appreciate when that spouse was alive, they did not begin to appreciate. Oh, if I had known, I would have responded better. Oh, if I had known, I would not have treated him like that. Oh, if I had known, I would not have treated her like that. We need ourselves. Even the children that you're looking at, very soon they will grow up and leave home and you go around the home and the home is empty. Now you are shouting, that, oh my God, they're messing up the house, the walls, there are markings on the wall. Oh my God, who kept this plate here? Who kept this dish here? Somebody don't wash their dishes. Oh my God, oh my God. Very soon, they will grow up and they will go, and you come to an empty nest. Is, is, it, is, it not what, is that not what they call it? Emptiness. You come, the whole house is empty. And even me now, by the grace of God, when I hold a two-year-old baby, I know, the f- I know how I feel. If I have a two-year-old baby or a one-year-old baby, you know I, know, I know what comes to my mind. Yeah, you will miss some things. I miss it. I miss that. I miss it. I miss it. You know, I miss the children calling you da, da, dad. You know, there's something about the children. They always call the daddy's name fair, da, 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 They have practiced calling daddy's name. I miss it. Well, I don't miss it. I don't miss changing the diapers, though. <laughs> I don't miss the sleepless nights, though. Baby crying all night. I don't miss all that. But there's some beautiful, cute baby, you know, cute baby, cute baby, cute baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I miss it. We need ourselves. Blacks need whites. Whites needs blacks. If you have a country full of only blacks, in three weeks, <laughs> everything <teen> we- <laughs> mm-hmm ourselves we need that we just don't know it. we need ourselves so when you hear statements that are declaring self-sufficiency is a problem and you see an example of that of the Queen in a Revelation Revelation chapter 18 Revelation chapter 18 I think verse 7 verse 7 or so you see that the particular queen you go and read it and you find out and um, you say oh I, I, I don't need you and whatever mm-hmm. so number six <clears throat> every time you begin to hear statements that belittle others you know when you begin to see statements from your mouth that belittles others that undermines the effort of others say hey what are they doing hey hey uh, he's uh, just he's uh, just, just lucky he's just lucky well he's it's just it's instant success He's just, just you just know, I mean oh, okay is that is that what they do oh, okay okay you know, they are coming up, they are coming up. That's not the issue. Are you hear what I'm saying? A brother comes and gives a testimony that he prayed for somebody, he got instant results. Don't condemn that brother. You go and pray for somebody who has a headache first. <laughs> Rebuke the headache and the headache go. Then we will know whether you have it or not. Stop comparing, you know, apples to oranges. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't belittle to others. I, I remember one time, uh, one of my old church, and somebody was running her mouth that like, oh my god, all these Nigerian women, all they are doing, they are, all they are doing is nursing. Everybody's doing nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay. So at least when they finish the study, they, they, they nursing, they don't come and beg you for food. In any case, you go and do the nursing. Let's see first. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't undermine the effort of people, and so. If you, if you look at Hollywood, I'm sorry to use this example, you listen to Hollywood, you think that it's a sin or it's a crime to be married. It's not. It's, it's, well, thank God, those who are not yet married, you'll soon get married and you'll be happily married. And God will give you the wisdom to walk, to navigate, and make, you know, if you're a man, you know, God will give you the wisdom to be able to, you know, walk with your wife. And if you're a woman, God will give you wisdom to be able to walk because it takes a lot of hard work a responsibility. It doesn't happen automatically. So now you can't just sit somewhere and begin to point and marry people and begin to say, see, 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 see what they're not doing right, see what they're not doing right. When you marry first, let's see. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, when you mar- when you stay close to. <laughs> Have you seen a sister, especially a sister, not brothers now, who is planning to get married? Their head is full, their head is very full. Oh, when my husband come home, I will just take the jacket away from him. <laughs> then I will remove his shoes. <laughs> the, oh, doctor. I'll remove his ties. And then I'll go around the bath, make it warm. And then I will just go and get the food. I put on the table, and I said, my Lord, and as he's eating, I'll be massaging his legs as he's eating. <laughs> and then, now, listen, and when she's in that state, she's looking at all the married women around, saying, look at these people, said, they don't even know how to do. Said they are treating their husband like crap. Me, I will not treat my husband like crap. <laughs> then I get married, one week, two weeks, honeymoon, Honeymoon, three weeks, four weeks, two months. Ha! <sighs> fight will start. Don't belittle the effort others are making. Okay? Especially families, as God blesses us, God increases us, and our children go and marry other people. And then you go and marry somebody's son, and all of a sudden... You know, you expect your daughter to be married to this Prince Charming. This Prince Charming, who does not have any, uh, everything is perfect, and, you know, he's strong. He knows how to say everything right. He has all the money. He has all the connection. Before you do, <laughs> she, he puts money down. But the reality is, how many you have to go to Saudi Arabia to get that kind of husband. Do you understand know what I'm saying? So, you might marry a man, he doesn't have money to say, but he's, he loves you. He loves the family. Okay, on the other side, you go and marry, your family marries a, a lady, then you expect her to be perfect. Anything she does, she doesn't do it right. Don't belittle the effort of But anytime you are making statements that belittle the effort of others, know that you are walking in pride. Number seven, statements that mock and laugh. Statements that mock and laugh at people. You remember the story of Nehemiah? That uh, those are uh, opposition, Sambalat and Tobiah. They came and said, What is this people are building? And they laughed. What is this? People, is this uh, <laughs> this thing that even the common breeze do, phew, the wall will come down? They communized it and they were laughing. And the voice of mockery is never the voice of God. Hallelujah. And you see the authority for that, second Samuel chapter 1 verse number 20. Number eight, statement or declarations of personal greatness and achievement. I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. I was able to build this. I was able to... And, and many of you who have, been, who have been under my administration for years have always been saying it. That anybody who will take glory for what he's doing in this church, I say God should kill that person. I've been saying it for years. Because I know there's a natural tendency for people to... If not we, hey, hey, hey. And Jesus says, I will build my church and the gate of hate shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. When you hear people, I did this, I did that, I did this. You hear men sometimes, I I took you out of trash. I sponsored your family. I was the source for your family. If not me, your family would have died, all of them. Hey. Can you pay for a wife that you are married? Can you pay for a wife? My place we have a saying that when you marry a wife, you keep paying, paying, paying. You never finish paying for a woman because of the good she's doing for you. And You see this in the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, he lifted up his heart. He said, ha, ha. See the kingdom. Ha, ha. And as he was talking, the word came. And for seven years, he went to the University of Adversity like an animal in the bush. But the thing that I learned from that story is, that story of Nebuchadnezzar, even though he was in that condition for seven years, living like an animal, his kingdom was still preserved. You know, it was a time that kingdom rose up again, kingdoms and expanded their own kingdoms. But God still preserved his kingdom till his moment of madness had passed. That shows that God is a God of mercy. Hallelujah. I said, God is a God of mercy. And all through this year, you will see the mercy of the Lord. Your children will experience the mercies of the Lord. The mercy of the Lord will never dry up in your families. In the mighty name of Jesus. So you see that uh, for Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4, specifically from verse number 28 to verse number 31. Number nine, when he hears statements or declarations showing unwillingness to apologize, listen, take this comment or anywhere, nobody can improve on this. The willingness not to apologize is a clear demonstration of pride and pomposity. So what? You apologize to somebody, even though he wrongs you, it shows you are more matured. It shows you are more matured. An immature person will never apologize. You will say never. And listen, in some parts of the world, I don't want to jump on any group, we have been able to equate stubbornness with manliness. That when you are stubborn, that means you are a man. Akrika it's messed up. That's messed up. It's messed up. It's messed up. It's messed, messed up. A wise man, once the Holy Ghost starts doing something in you, you are quick to apologize. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Um, well, he didn't come out. That, 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 you see, God, the, the English, the hey, English has put some words in a dictionary that can make your life easy. For example, no matter what you say, you can come out and say, you know, it didn't come out right. I didn't mean it that way. Hello. Yeah. I, didn't, it didn't, I didn't mean it that way. It didn't come out right. I didn't, I'm sorry I didn't mean it that way. It covers a whole lot of mess. Yeah. I'm so sorry. What was I thinking? It covers a whole lot of mess. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe I said that. It covers a whole lot of mess. I can't believe I did that. My goodness. You know? Oh, you know what? If you decide not to forgive me, I understand. I will even do more than that if I will your shoes. English has invented some words that can make life easy for you. So anytime you are seen statements statement that say, I will never apologize. I will never. It's pride. It's pride. I don't care who is making it. From the highest position of the land to the lowest, I, w- I apologize for what? Apologize for what? I will never. It's pride. Uh huh. Matthew chapter twenty-seven. You remember the story of Judas? If, Judas? if Judas, do you know that Judas actually did? No, no. What Peter did was worse than what Judas did. Did you, did you know that? Jude, no. What, what Peter did was worse than what Judas did. Peter actually denied Jesus. Not once. Not twice. Three times. Clearly. Emphatically. Unequivocally. Irreversibly. He denied. Ah! In fact, he, on top of it, he swore. He cursed. He cursed. All Judas did It's business. <laughs> it's just one kiss. And which they could have still found out anyway. All you have to do is look at who is working the miracles. <laughs> so just one kiss. So if Judas had gone and apologized or asked for forgiveness, he didn't have to die like that. But there was a spirit in him said, I cannot apologize. Because he was a zealot. Judas was a zealot. I don't want to get into that today. So, like, hardcore. I've said it. Have you have you seen anybody like that? I've said it. I've said it. That's it. In fact, some people from some part of the world you hear the men say this conversation is over. What conversation? I thought conversations between two people. <laughs> so you cannot you need literally end a conversation. We are still talking. So this conversation is over. I think I've used that before though. <laughs> Eh, so, I'm asking for mercy. Huh? So, let me not do like I'm perfect. Here. <laughs> so, somebody say, forgive. forgive. <laughs> so, when we are teaching you, we know what we are teaching you. We have handled some of these things. burnt us. Some of the things you are doing, that. we have done it and it burnt us. And we lay, eh, fire. We remove hand. So, when we are teaching, we are not teaching you vacuum. We know what we are telling you. Somebody say, forgive. forgive. Then, Statement of rigidity and unmovability. There are some people, you can't move them. They are like Mount Zion that cannot be moved. Once they take a position, it doesn't matter the facts. It doesn't matter the imagined facts. They have taken a position. They have taken it. You are not moving them. say, I know what you are saying, but... I know what you are saying, but... It's pride. And you know an example of that? You can help me, right? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. See plagues upon plagues. And the man of God will come. Okay. Let me show you the power of God again. All the flies, oh yeah, disappear. And they will disappear. And guess what? Pharaoh will say, mm. hello? Nine plagues. Pharaoh, mm. You don't even know what I mean? He dug in his heels, like he doesn't move. I'm not impressed, until the last one, when the dagger, the axe of judgment begin to swing all over Egypt, cutting off the head of the firstborns. And say, oh, go, starting from his own house, the Pharaoh, to the house of the slave. And I said, go. Does it have to be like that? You see, the thing about humility is that the Bible says we should humble ourselves he said, that means you are the one to humble yourself. Listen, if you don't humble yourself, and we are getting to that, not today, circumstances will humble you. There's no if and but about it. There's no if and but There was one, one powerful president, Mobutu Sese Seko. The man was powerful. He locked up the country's eye and put the key in his pocket. He was richer than his country. But at the end of his life, He was, was thinking all over the place, thinking. With a big diaper on his boat. I mean, I mean literal diaper. He, he couldn't come Man, who was richer than his country? So when the Bible says humble yourself, humble yourself by yourself, humble yourself. Otherwise, circumstances will humble you. Circumstances will humble you. And if circumstances humble you, you won't like it. You won't like it. Some will not be humble until sickness comes. Some will not be humble until shame comes. Some will not be humble until adversity comes. That was a pastor, Kenneth again talks of a story of a pastor, you know, the, the Lord put it on his heart to tell the pastor and, and he kind of talked to the wife, said, your, your husband? He said, yeah. He said, do you know your husband is about to die? Do you want to say, yeah, I know. He said, but... You know? And the man knew. And can take him and talked to the man. He said, No. But you are supposed to judge yourself. When, you say, when the Bible says judge yourself, the Bible says humble yourself. That's judge, like you, know, you come to the place and say, This thing I'm doing is not good. That's judging yourself now. If you judge yourself, then nobody will judge you. That means if you humble yourself, nobody will humble you. Instead of him to judge himself, judge yourself in these three areas one, two, three. He said, No. I think he died at the age of 38. And that, in that same message, he tells the story of some, he said, all the pastors that they have known. That's why I listen to the word a lot. All the pastors that he, they, he knew that they were teaching their wives, um, not teaching, treating their wives like crap, like, like crap, literal crap. He said, all of them, without any exception, they didn't live beyond 40. Because you cannot say you are walking in love outside and you are not walking in love inside. He said, All those pastors that he knew, as at the time he was preaching that message, I don't know if it was in the early 70s or when, he said, All of them, without any exception, they didn't live beyond 40. Because there are some principles you don't break. But some people, I've said it and I've said it. That is the end of the matter. I've said it and I've said it. Rigid, rigid, unbendable. Unbendable, you can't bend them. And they take pride in it. I stood stood my ground. Martin Luther King Day just passed. Right? And I was, you know, every opportunity I tried to teach. And I was talking to one of my boys, the small one. I said, God bless Martin Luther. And I tried to make a distinction between how he operated and how um, Malcolm X Malcolm X in his head by all means necessary. He was advocating violence and everything and whatever, but uh, Martin Luther King was advocating um, you know, peaceful demonstration, which was good. He did a lot. He did a lot. Oh, God bless his heart. Hi, Oh, the Lord bless him and bless his family. Hallelujah. But there was somebody else his name was Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Did you see him lead protest anywhere? Did you see him demonstrate anywhere? How did he become the president of the most powerful country in the whole world? And my son gave me the answer. He said because he kept his hands to himself. And that's deep. They did not see the man come. The man was adapting and adapting and adapting and adapting and he was climbing, adapting and adapting and adapting. It was accepted by the blacks, accepted by the whites, accepted by the educated, accepted by the uneducated, accepted by the rich, accepted by the poor. It was not like, mm, mm. I'm a man of my convictions. I can die of my convictions. Good luck. No, think about it. How did Obama become president? If it's unmovable and rigid, how? How was Jesus able to penetrate? Peter, you know Peter, was rigid and unmovable. And that was why in Acts, they brought the sheet, come down, uh, Acts chapter 10. And God was trying to introduce him to the Gentiles. Take this message to the Gentiles. Kill and eat Peter. Peter said, no, our fathers forbid this, I can't eat it. He, the revelation came three times. Peter said, uh-uh, because he was unmoved. You can't move, he was unmovable and rigid. Hard <laughs> How did Obama become president? Is it by making trouble all over the place, demonstrating all over the place, cursing at everybody? Okay, can I shout him become president? You are not talking. Oh, you don't even know him. Declaration of rigidity and and unmovability. And by 11, when you hear yourself making threatening statements, threatening statements, threatening, threatening statements, they are statements of pride. And the example here, the son of Solomon. After Solomon has lived and died, he saw one of his sons, I don't know, became king, and the people went to him. Say, your father did this while he was alive. Your father did this while he was alive. What are, what are your plans for us? And instead of him to consult with the experienced, the mature people of the land, he went and consulted with the young people. And the young people gave him a very bad advice. That your, our, your father chastised you with whip, but I'm going to chastise you with scorpions. Do you understand what He said, the burden that my father put on you, I'm going to multiply it. He was threatening them. Just like this little rocket man now in North Korea. (laughs) Threatening everybody. Only to find out that he's the the son of another woman outside. Then also he's short. (laughs) And then he's young. So he wants to prove something. And the way to do it is to threaten everybody. Threat. Threat. So any statement that threatens people, Understand that word, it is what? It is pride. So get away from those statements and the Lord will uphold you. Amen. The Lord will keep you. Amen. He will sustain you to the very end. In the mighty name of Jesus, that grace for humility, receive it. Amen. Now listen, and I'll end with this, and I'll end with this. The greatest battle or the greatest victory you can have as a believer is victory over yourself. I am big on victory over forces and darkness. I am all for taking territories. But the greatest victory you can have is the victory over yourself. And a man or a woman who walks in pride and arrogance, guess what? He has not been able to conquer himself. You have to be able to conquer yourself before you conquer your environment. If you don't master yourself, you cannot master the environment. If you don't reign over yourself, over your passions, over your decisions, over your choices, then you cannot reign over the environment. So it's important that you conquer yourself. And the way to conquer yourself is through this thing I'm teaching you on humility. 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 Somebody say humility. Humility. Somebody say humility. Therefore, stay in humility. Learn everything you need to know about it so that, number one, God will not resist you. Number two, God will continue to give you unyielding, uncompromising, unlimited grace so that as you continue to humble yourself, He will lead you to lifting. You'll be lifted. You'll have all the spiritual covering you need in the name of Jesus. And according to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 5, you will not be an abomination before the Lord. In the precious, mighty name of Jesus.
0: Yes, and amen. Indeed, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe that you have been truly blessed. To receive more copies of this message and other messages by Pastor Josh, please call 405-418-6222 or visit us online at www.okcmc.tv. If you are within the area, come worship with us at the Miracle Center six zero five one. North Brookline Avenue, Suite 133, Oklahoma City. Stay blessed and stay connected.